This is The Other 14 Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 27 of The Other 14 Podcast, the only podcast that forgets all about the so-called Big Six and focuses just on the other 14 teams of the Premier League. Parker, Lager, Gerard, Hassenhutel, Lampard, Marsh, Jones, Vieira and now Rogers. This season has the highest body count in quite some time with now nine of the other 14 managers having been given the axe. The pressure to stay in the Premier League is possibly higher now than it has ever been. This week, as always, we're joined by Tom. Hello, Reese. Hello, Tom. Um, we'll head straight into the big managerial news after the classifieds. Um, but let me surprise you quickly. Gary O'Neill is the 10th longest serving manager in the Premier League. A little chaotic, right? Uh, I think that's a very much an understatement. I mean, had you had Gary O'Neill to be the 10th longest serving manager at the start of the season, I think people would just call you mad. So um, I guess that is just the occupational hazard that comes with being a Premier League manager. Some others take to it like a duck to water. Some others just don't. Nathan Jones, hello. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a mad one. And I think this now counts as the highest count, um, as you mentioned, this season, with Premier, you know, including the, the big six as well. well. Including Chelsea dismissals. And then obviously Antonio Conte um, has gone as yeah. well in recent weeks. It's, it's been yeah. a mad, mad season for Premier League managerial changes. That is for sure. Yeah. Anyway, first things first, over to you, Tom, with the classified results for the game week. Here are the classified results for match week 29 of the Premier League 22-23 season. AFC Bournemouth 2, Fulham 1. 4, Leeds United 1. Brighton and Hove Albion 3, Brentford 3. Crystal Palace 2, Leicester City 1. Nottingham Forest 1, Wolverhampton Wanderers 1. 0, Aston Villa 2. West Ham United 1, Southampton 0. Newcastle United 2, nil. Everton 1, 1. And there are still some midweek games to catch up on from earlier on this year, so do keep an eye out for that as well. Yeah, but this game week full of uh, full of good results there, particularly down in the relegation battle with a couple of uh, well-earned three points for the likes of Bournemouth, Palace and West Ham. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then some vital draws there as well, looking at Everton at home to Spurs. But um, a good Great round of fixtures overall. So, mm, really enjoyed this and week. We'll get, and we'll get into some of the bigger ones, particularly the two um, big six scalpings shortly in the show. Tom, as mentioned in the intro, Brendan Rodgers has become the latest other 14 manager to be given the boot just a few hours before other 14 alumni, Graham Potter, was also sacked by Chelsea. Their loss against Palace saw Leicester drop into the relegation zone for the first time since game week 14. Their form has been poor with four losses and just one point in their last five games. But answer me a couple of questions. Oh, well. Why now? Who should replace him? And will they be safe? Why now is a very, very good question. Um, and I, I don't think I know the answer to that in terms of choice of timings and everything like that. I just, with how many games left in the season, 
it was clear that something wasn't quite right with with Leicester this year, but I think what the board was trying to do, and amicably as well, you know, Brendan Rodgers, as I think we've mentioned quite a number of times this year, Brendan Rodgers had a lot of credit um, at Leicester, obviously with the FA Cup win, with you know European well, well, let's quickly European get placings. Into- Sorry. I just, Let me yeah. quickly jump Sorry. into the statement then, um, since you've mentioned it, um, because it does seem to be on really good terms. Mm. Um, I whiz through like the main highlights of it quickly. Leicester City Football Club has reached a mutual agreement with Brendan Rodgers that will see him leave the club after four years as our men's first team manager. Brendan departs King Power Stadium as one of the most successful managers in the club's history, having guided us to our long-awaited first FA Cup triumph in 2021. The FA Community Shield in the same year two of the club's three highest Premier League finishes and consecutive European campaigns, including our first European semi-final in 2022. So clearly a lot of love is there and it's 100%. been... Yeah. So it's not like it's turned sour. No. Like I think they, they were really, really struggling to come to that final decision um, to, to let Rogers go. But I think it was clear from from over the last sort of couple of weeks and sort of throughout the season really that there's been a you know a, a breakdown in relationship between the fans and and Brendan um I think they've they lost patience with him quite quickly actually which I found a little bit oh, sort of difficult to believe but then again this Leicester side should not be in the position that they are um and for them to make the change now I it's a difficult one because since since the World Cup, they have been the worst team in the league. I think it's eight points in 13 games. I think that was the start I saw. Um, in terms of your second part to that question, in terms of who comes in to replace Brendan, um, well, the, the name that immediately sort of comes to mind is Graham Potter because, you know, like The Apprentice, it's, it's been a double sackings week. Um, yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, having think, looked at the odds, so before this was before um when I first checked before it was Potter, Potter yeah, before, Rafa and Angie. So before Potter turned around and said no, because he's now pretty much right. Well, there's been going around social media and Twitter mm. saying that he's not interested. So you, he wants a little break, which you can understand I get that. But at the time, so this was yesterday afternoon, Potter was evens, Rafa was ten to three, Thomas Frank was 11 to 2 which obviously that's an absolutely nonsense because think... he's never leaving Brentford no, exactly. at this point I'd be very and surprised then, to see that go and then this, and then Bielsa Potch Ralph Hassenhutl and Ange Postecoglou were all 10 to 1 so at the moment oh. odds are for Rafa which I don't think would be a bad appointment for them not a bad appointment at the time of the season. I think, you know, sort of similar to what he did with Newcastle. Yes, he did come in late and unfortunately they did go down in the end. But he reinstilled something in that Newcastle United fan base that led um, them to believe that they would come up immediately like that. But I, I think Leicester would be, especially with the squad that they have and their performances over the last sort of couple of seasons, I think they would be right up against not wanting to go down like anybody would. But I, I just think Leicester just can't even sort of possibly imagine the thought of relegation right now. Yeah, I, I suppose the, the only thing that I kind of think where Brendan has maybe been let a little down, I think we've mentioned it a couple of times, is just there was no suitable replacement for Schmeichel. No. Um, there's not really been an out and out 
strong replacement for Jamie Vardy. No. Um, and it's just really tough. I think defensively, they've just not been good enough. That comes from a bit of not having that keeper, that strong keeper to organise the team. They've tried using Ward. They tried using Everson, but to mix results in both both yeah. times. Um, they're just their back four doesn't really look like it knows what it's doing. To be honest, um, they bought in was it Suter, the Australian yeah, bloke? Yeah, he's not looked good. Um, he's not looked great. Um, Sionchu is very hit and miss. It's just been a bit chaotic. Who the, was it? Yeah, it, uh, was it Vestergaard they signed from Southampton? Yeah. They signed Bertrand as well in recent. Like it's not been great, and I think. This is many leaders in that no, back four. And they just don't look like they know how to defend, which is so very no. vital. It, 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 it sort of, and this is coming from with my Liverpool hat on. This it reminds me of how we played in 2013-14. Yeah, we were good attacking attacking wise, but I don't think Leicester have ever solved under Brendan this defensive issue. And I think Brendan's a very much attack-minded sort of coach. But defensively, they've been letting sloppy goals so much this season. Um, and it cost them again um, in this well, in the Palace game at the weekend. Yeah, so talking of that Palace game, um, well, I think it's always weird sacking a manager straight after the game after a um, straight after an international break because you're kind of thinking, well, you could have given the new gaffer two weeks with the squad or yeah. you try and get something. But I suppose it was the maybe the manner of the defeat against Palace. So there was a 94th minute goal, well, the winner from Mateta. Um, But otherwise, Leicester otherwise hadn't really been in the game at all. The fact that they did get one goal in it from an outrageous effort from uh, Ricardo Pereira. But Palace had 31 shots. Not all on target, understandably, but they had 31 shots. Leicester had three this was then Palace's first win since the December the 31st fixture against Bournemouth. Yep. And so it's ended their run of 13 games without a win. So I think well, maybe... One, where's that Palace been? Well, exactly. This is then a thing on... You can't tell me just Vieira's gone and suddenly they've learned how yeah. to shoot all of a sudden. So yeah. that that stinks a little bit for me. But focusing on the Leicester side of things, it yeah. just seems the timing seems a bit weird. Um, to do it maybe because it is a relegation rival that they've gone maybe oh Brendan try and get it to work but once yeah, again it I, seems I, weird I, to me you don't you don't sack a manager unless you have a replacement ready to go and the fact they haven't appointed anyone within 24 40 well 48 hours now is that doesn't scream to me as effective efficient de- decision making no um I think fair play to, you know, because sometimes we see managers get sort of given the sack you know, a little bit early. Um, into yeah, they did. They, they have given him a try. They have given he's been spoken about going to turn it around. Ages. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I guess what this season could potentially lead boards to do um, is, although then again, it's sort of like having replacements already lined up and plans in place for potentially if things do go sort of down the swanee. Um, but then again, I don't think managers would be sort of confident in their, in their positions anyway. Well, so it's... But you look at Brighton, they yeah. had Potter go snatched and immediately they went, we want this bloke Deserby. Yeah. And wow, look what he's done. 
Um, I think, to be honest, it'll be interesting, depending on the teams that do go down, will make teams consider this, whether changing your manager is a great idea, because now all the teams in the bottom nine, apart from West Ham, have changed their manager this season. Yep. Three of them have to go down. So based on that evidence, there's a chance that three teams who change their manager might still go down anyway, which yep. kind of makes you think, well, what if you'd given those managers those extra fixtures, could they have changed it? Um, I think, to be honest, with Southampton, Jones did no worse than... Uh, sorry, um, Hassan Hootel did no worse than what Jones did coming in. I don't think Sellers has been particularly great, so I'm not sure. He's not got a lot to deal with either. Which, no. Oh, yeah, I don't um, blame him at all. Yeah, um, obviously, they got rid of Martian Bolt in Javi Gracia. That's been mixed still. Wolves, Lopetegui came in as a bit of a burst and then they've kind of settled into a bit of mediocrity again. Yeah. Still better than they had done under Lago. Oh, under they, they were so they were, cut off. Really At cool. least they're now in the fight, but still, it's not looking great for any of the teams down there. And I think almost, and I don't think this is what West Ham fans will want to hear because so many are Moyes out at this point, is if Moyes does keep them up, the board can turn around and go, See, we made the right decision. We didn't change the manager and we stayed up. Admittedly, there are a million of other factors that go into it, like your stro- squad strength. Yeah. But it would almost prove a point going, we didn't we, we didn't rush. We didn't make a decision. We didn't take that gamble. And look at us now. We're sitting pretty, possibly with Premier League football next season. So, yeah. I, I mean, ultimately, I, 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 making sackings at this time of the season when, you know, things are so close down the bottom, I don't know what you're sort of expecting to to potentially change this is the thing so i, I suppose a breath of fresh air it seems to have worked in the first game for yeah palace with roy suddenly they're having 31 shots in a game when they couldn't muster one in three games which is which i suppose it's that comes down to the players to be honest but maybe a bit of fresh air does, like breath of fresh air into the club does help Although Roy had been there before, um, and but I just don't know. Ten games left. Can you really make that much of an impact? Bearing in mind, do Leicester have a midweek game in the next two days? Um, uh, yes, they do. So that's then going to be so Leicester after. Well, they've got as of recording, they're playing tonight at home to Villa, which, yep. given Villa's form, you don't fancy their chances. And so Ollie Watkins that, away from home has been on fire. Yeah, so that's then going to give Leicester, whoever comes in at Leicester, nine games should they be put in place before the weekend. But let's be honest, they're not going to be able to do much in a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday training session before the weekend. No, exactly. So you're almost then giving the manager eight games to stay in the Premier League. I think realistically, you'd have to you'd have to bring in a manager who is currently out of a job. Like you, you can't get yeah. that. Yeah, you, you can't, can't get... be negotiating with a team with another no, exactly. team for the manager. I mean. I, I like the Angie shout because Leicester obviously got that link with Celtic, obviously bringing in Rogers from there. But would they? Why would he leave? Why would he exactly leave when he's going to win a trophy? Minimum. I suppose the only thing for Leicester going forward is that they get remaining games. They're playing Bournemouth. They're playing Wolves. They're playing Everton. They're playing Leeds. They're playing West Ham, and then we'll talk about it in a bit. But also Fulham without Mitro. So that's six games which you kind of look at and you go. Well, there's only three at the moment that you might necessarily write off, although one is against Liverpool, but they're away at, they're away at the Etihad and they're away at Newcastle. 
they're, they're the toughest fixtures in that list. Otherwise, they're mostly teams in and around them. So you are giving the manager, whoever comes in, a chance with some not awful fixtures yeah, they've to got try like and defend a, them. They've got like a Palace run uh, from now mm. until the end of the season. Maybe just one or two extra sort of big six games. But yeah, but, but still saying that, I... <sighs> I've been, you know, we've been saying sort of all season long, this Leicester side, oh, they'll turn it around, they'll turn it around, they'll turn it around. Yes, and they've they had don't. flashes where they've had flashes where they look like they are going to, like they beat Spurs, they they beat Villa and Spurs. They beat Villa back to back, in the reverse fixture, which was their last two wins. They beat yeah. Villa and Spurs back to back, and then have done absolutely now since. Um, but anyway, I think it's going to be a tough job. Whoever comes in to try and turn that around, um, I for me, I still don't see them going. But I think that's more my head going. It's Leicester. Like they still do have class in their squad, and I think a better squad than a lot of other teams. But that means nothing that, if you don't you know, have the right person to lead them. Their um, form since the World Cup that is that is just a writing on the wall yeah. for me. Yeah. Anyway, I decided to have a little delve into um, social media and looking at the um, what Leicester fans had to say about. Oh, them you went into you went you went to the social media cesspit. Yeah, well, I had a little. Out of all the social media cesspits, I always find Reddit is a bit more level-headed compared yeah. to most. So um, looking at the Leicester subreddit, so a couple of people commenting about Rogers. Uh, one called Huge Ass 8 um, <laughs> He's been our best manager ever. He obviously has his faults and he's clearly done all he can for us. Um, I think there were some replies going, well, what about Claudio? He won us the Premier League. But in all fairness, he has consistently delivered them up until the season relatively higher league finishes. So yeah, as, as much as less fans probably don't want to hear it, that, that year was a miracle. Yeah, exactly. And then High Elfo 4 uh, will always look back on Rogers' tenure as one of Leicester's most successful managers. Um, the thoughts... Uh, the thoughts about managers needing three-year cycles is 110% proven, which I think is true. Um, with Rogers, they gave him a length of time and he's been able to deliver fairly consistent. Obviously, this is the one season where they faltered, but otherwise they have been consistently good. They've had yeah. top seven finishes a couple of times, European fixtures, European well, semi-final, you know, and an FA Cup and a Community Shield. They've had two two seasons under Rogers where they've been knocking on the door of the Champions League spots. And then on the final day, they've dropped out. So they were, they've been that close to Champions League football under Rodgers that, you know, clearly was a good squad. Um, and you do wonder just, how that changes. How that's going to affect. Yeah. And I think you may be looking at some players that were going, oh, I've joined Leicester because we'll be competing maybe on the lower European front, yeah. like the Conference I League mean, or Europa League. And then it's, oh, we're... we're Fighting relegation, which yeah. might not be where they're and, and, you know, and, and some big signings that they look to have brought in. You know, I think you know the prime example is Fafana from what was it? They signed him what last year or the year before? Then got that. Massive uh, they signed long- him year before last, and then yeah, he went to injury, Chelsea. Then he's, off to, then he's off to Chelsea. Yeah, and I suppose they've never really replaced those sorts of players. So mm. they had uh, they had Maguire. He went to Man U. They bought him Fafana. He then went to Chelsea for silly money. They had Chilwell. He went off to Chelsea for silly money. And there hasn't really been a significant replacement for defensively at the back no. for them players, has it? So, um, but anyway, good luck to whoever goes in there. I'll be intrigued to see who can try and keep them up. I, as I say, I still think they've got the chance to, and I think they're still got they've got the talent in the squad to be able to do it. It's just about whether they they've got the talent for sure. It's just I, I personally, I just don't see it. Well, we will see. Um, there were some. 
quite significant results in the other 14, uh, particularly with two of our teams taking all three points from their meetings with a big six side. Normal service resumed at St James's Park with Newcastle absolutely dominating Man United, while Villa's victory against Chelsea in West London was, in the end, Potter's final game in charge of Chelsea. Um, I think the thing we need to start with, Tom, is that Newcastle fixture. Um, absolutely dominated Man U all over them. 22 shots versus Man U, 6. That is now three wins on the bounce to Newcastle. Um, Brent, when they staggered kind of at the start of started at the start of 2023 and probably prime amount of well prime dose of revenge after the league cup uh, final loss at Wembley to Man U as well oh 100% you must be reading my notes because that is pretty much exactly what I've got written down you know from first moment of that game you know when when the team's walking out to local hero that you know that's in James's Park atmosphere was just bouncing um and you just you just got a sense that the you know, that 12th man was going to play like such a huge part in that game. And they didn't stop from minute one to the final whistle. It was electric. Um, it's all well and good saying about the 12th man, but I genuinely think with 10 men, they could have beaten some Man U the way that... Oh, don't get me wrong. You're not in the And, you know, their sort of away form of late hasn't been sort of fantastic. But just the way you, uh, Newcastle, that is, the way Newcastle played... Um, they, yeah, they were just all over them for minute one. And you just got the sense early early doors uh, because Newcastle have been sort of slightly at fault this this year. I mean, sort of calendar year of not either not putting chances away or not scoring uh, as much as they had in sort of like earlier on in the season. First half specifically, they were missing a lot of chances. You know, I think there was one that fell to uh, Willock who did end up sort of putting the ball away um, in the second half just sort of real guilt-edged chances that you thought, oh, if they don't start putting these away, United might just do a typical United and just sort of able to sort of scrape, up, scrape three points. But they just kept absolutely hounding them. Um, second half, just, again, playing really, really well. Trippier was absolutely magnificent at the back. Got the assist, I think, for... It was for Wilson's, uh, Wil- goal. Wilson's goal. Oh, um, a tremendous cross and great header, completely like in between the two centre backs, yeah. and boom! You know Dan, Dan Byrne, you know the, the the league's tallest fullback. Um, <laughs> like I lo- I love him, but he <laughs> he's too big he's, for that he, he's been absolutely tremendous for them. But you have to say he's not a fullback, but no. he's doing the job of a fullback. He's doing the job. Well. He's doing the job brilliantly well. Um, you know he was basically conducting that crowd all the way through that second half. As soon as he made a tackle, as soon as the ball went out of the play, he was arms up, just sort of getting the crowd to cheer. Um, so Maximan was his usual busy self, not always having that final product, but he was looking to do stuff. It gave him um, such a hard time down that left-hand side. Well, Manu's right-hand side, but he was—he looked great just running at them every single time. They just running. kept backing off, backing off, backing off. Eddie was just like, you know what, just do your stuff and just run at them. Um, and United just couldn't couldn't take, couldn't... Um, what's the word? Um, just couldn't hold them. Um, and I think Newcastle thoroughly, thoroughly deserved that. And that was, you know definite revenge for that League Cup defeat and it puts Newcastle now in that sort of prime spot and I don't want to sort of jinx it but I think they are back to their sort of back to their best Yeah well they've got them they're joint on points with both Tottenham and Manchester United but Newcastle do have the benefit of sitting 
slightly above them because they have a significantly better goal difference than both teams because of how defensively solid they were at the start of the season. Yeah. Um, and they've got two games in hand on Tottenham. So you're kind of kind of looking at the moment going, well, Tottenham are managerless and Newcastle that couldn't be more unified, particularly after that fixture. So you kind of fancy hearing the St. Uh, Kind of fancy hearing the Champions League theme at St James's Park next season, don't you? You have to say so. Um, you know, Spurs. I I think realistically, I see that sort of final top four spot probably going to Newcastle. Um, I think Spurs will probably drop out because there's there's no way that team is united in any sort of way, shape, or form. Um, well, I think Newcastle are probably going to get third, to be honest, because given the way they could easily get third, given the way Man. His form has kind of dipped off. I could genuinely see, oh, that'd be phenomenal. The fact they wouldn't even need to go through, like, I think fourth place, you have to go through a qualifying game, don't you? Yeah. Is that not the case? But that'd be phenomenal to see them take up that spot. And they only three losses this season. They've, and two of them in their last five. That's the, that's the absolutely. Yeah. And and two of them against the shoddy Liverpool side. So, exactly. But yeah, all good for Newcastle. And also the same for, um, Unai Emery's men. So Watkins continued his hot form um, with an 18-minute goal and then John McGinn sealed all three points with an absolute belter. So Villa now sit ninth, which is absolutely tremendous considering where they were when uh, Gerrard got given the boot. Uh-huh. Uh, they're unbeaten in the last five. Um, would you say they're possibly in the hunt for those kind of final European positions? They're only two points behind Brentford, who sits seventh in that Conference League spot. Well, they've sort of taken Fulham's spot, I'd, I'd say. I, I, I think Fulham are that team that are on the beach, and Aston Villa have sort of snuck in there and just sort of overtaken them at the last little last little stretch. So I don't think there's any reason why Villa can't can't possibly do that. Um, they they've just been magnificent under under Emery. He's gotten playing in such a way, just with that belief and confidence. Um, because it is it is a good squad. Um, it's not a fantastic squad, but it is a good enough squad. Definitely much better than sort of where Gerald was was having them this um, year. I still stand by that when they came to the London Stadium, they were incredibly anti-football. But in other fixtures, clearly they've been playing much better than that. Yeah, and you know, he, he, Emery has not been playing in a way that just they can get results. Um, another way they were playing against Chelsea at the weekend. Um, I mean, anyone can play against that Chelsea side right now, but um, with the way... I, fa- yeah. I, I fancy being able to get one against them, in all fairness. But if we put a five-a-side five together, we might we might have a chance. Oh, genuinely, they... Like, as, as bad as they've been, and quite clearly, I do feel sorry for Potter because he's gone in and it's a dreadful situation. Um, doesn't take away from how good Villa were. Um, but yeah, Chelsea were an absolute mess. Um, but Watkins got his seventh goal in the last nine games. Although three of them were all in losses, which yeah. is uh, like he just seems to be able to pick up one goal in a game that they might lose. And fifth um, straight away he... game with a goal, which I think is some form of record. Yeah, so he's on absolutely tremendous form. So going forward, that's he's very much been transformed into this striker that maybe yeah. Villa thought they were getting when they signed him from Brentford a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. Um, I suppose looking at Emery now, he has really been able to piece it all together. So that his current record in the league with Aston Villa is um, six losses, two draws and seven wins. But 
the, the three of those losses were in the first three games, so you can kind yeah. of forgive him for trying to piece it all just together. Get, yeah, just getting used to it all. Exactly. So it's been absolutely tremendous. I think that European spot could most definitely be theirs, um, sneaking into that conference league. It's going to be tight because I think Brentford are playing really well. Um, had a tremendous game against Brighton. Um, that three all was absolutely fantastic to witness. So, yeah, I think... So which one's the final spot? Is it the seventh spot? So fifth and sixth. Yeah, so top four, Champions League. Yeah. Fifth and sixth, depending on the Cups, get Europa League. Yeah. And then I believe seventh gets... Your conference conference league, right? But you have to go through qualify um, one round of qualification to okay. get through to the because that's where West Ham finished last season. They finished seventh, they yep. played um, qualification round against some team from Denmark and then they got into the group stage. So I think, I think it can change depending on like who wins the FA Cup, for example. So I think if a team not in the top six was to win the FA Cup, so looking at Sheffield United, for example. If they were to yeah. win the FA Cup, that sixth place would then become a Conference League space and seventh wouldn't get anything. Yeah. But realistically... I'd Sorry, think... Sheffield United fans. Yeah. Also, the same way as if Brighton dropped out of those top seven spots yeah. and they were to win the FA Cup, once again, I wish them all the best bits. That's probably unlikely. more likely. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's the way it would work. Otherwise, it's five and six um, Europa League, seventh place Conference League. So... Yeah, so all the way down to seven, it gives you a good chance, doesn't it? So, yeah, and I, mean, I do like I'm... the I do like the way we talk about oh, the big six, and it's like, well, that would leave one space open for a European spot for one of the other fourteen, and it's actually like, now ah, we're gonna we're gonna take three of them to the, this take season, three. actually. Yeah, all or nothing. It's given the way yeah. that Chelsea and Liverpool have been absolutely woeful at times. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not confident at all that Liverpool will finish also... anything above seventh. I know they're obviously not in it at all uh, in the relegation, but we talk about the bottom nine. But Chelsea are only <laughs> only one place above that, which is absolutely madness to think. Um, just goes to show what a joke that club is at the moment. Yes, very much so. Um, so Tom, just before we started the recording, there was obviously news about a certain Serbian striker and his antics the other week against a referee in an FA Cup fixture against Manchester United um, is, of course, Alexander Mitrovic. And he's been uh, given quite the suspension, hasn't he? He has indeed, yep. Um, breaking news as of, I think, like half an hour ago before he came onto the pods. Um, he's been given effectively an eight-game ban from the FA. Um, but that is backdating to the Bournemouth game at the weekend. So effectively from now on it will be seven games. So if I'm correct, he would me he would be back for the last three games of the season for Fulham. Um, so that was... is quite a chunk of Fulham's remaining fixtures. Well, that suddenly plays into the relegation battle because he's then back mm. for away at Southampton, home to Palace. Um but otherwise I think he's really stuck them here because they've got fixtures against West Ham, Everton, Leeds um and Leicester. Yeah. So that that's that is quite significant for those teams suddenly having don't get it wrong, I think Fulham played reasonably well without him um against Brentford, but obviously couldn't get it over the line. Sorry, against Bournemouth, but couldn't get it over the line uh at the weekend. But that's a huge hit, isn't it? Eight games. Right? That's a huge hit. So like, they're, obviously... they're on the beach. They're not challenging. They're, they're nowhere near the, 
they're not in the European run now. You kind of every team down there is going to be looking at that at those Fulham fixtures, going, we need three points. Yeah, which is unfortunate for Fulham because obviously they've been one of the sort of highlights I think for this year. Um, but for their season to sort of peter out like that, I think it's a little bit of a disappointment. But then again, you've got to take a little bit of stock and. A lot of pundits were thinking Fulham were going to go down this year. So I still think this would be a successful season for Fulham. Anything sort of away from relegation is by far um, a success. But it just the where it where it was just it it leaves a little bit of a salty taste um in your mouth. So a salty taste, not a sour taste. That's the one. Salty taste. I don't know if you want from. a salty taste in your mouth, then I'm sure there'll be listeners we'll edit that. to yeah, give you it was, one. It will, uh, it will leave a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Um, just adding on to what the ban effectively contains. So obviously it's the three-match ban for the straight reds. Um, and then it's been extended by three games for violent conduct towards a match official. And then a further two for using language that was in quotes, improper, abusive, insulting, and threatening. Well, that's certainly a combination, isn't it? No doubt Looking... that Fulham are expecting to appeal the decision. Absolutely. It's just strange because they were looking spot on for that kind of top 10 finish and you now kind of put it into question whether they might get into... It'll be a fight now, that West London battle for that 10th, 11th spot. Sorry, that's it's the, it's the FA that are planning to appeal. So I think they want more. They want to give them all, apparently. But given where Fulham are, they've been, well, consistently up in the top nine since uh, game week game week 12. But And it's been a little up and down, but they kind of plateaued around that ninth spot and then they've just dropped into 10th now um, with Fulham, with Villa overtaking them. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's one of those that how many, I'm sure they will win some of them, but suddenly without... Your main striker, who is lethal, those games suddenly become significantly harder. Yeah, and you go from their next game is against West Ham, and at uh, Craven Cottage, and before with Mitrovic, you kind of go, oh, you don't fancy get West Ham getting anything out of that. But now they don't have their main striker. Yeah, kind of looking at that. You kind of look. So you kind of look at that suddenly, going, well, David Moyes is going to be telling his men. You know what to do. It's going to be that bit easy, potentially that bit easier trying to keep a clean sheet and keep out the goals. So you can maybe think about being more aggressive. Um, so it is a shame for them. And he's just been a muppet and he's let them all down. Yeah, I, I think he does recognise that. Um, so I think he'll, uh, he'll only learn from that. Well, you, you'd like to think so anyway. Yeah, well, at least he gets a nice, uh, nice break for the next six weeks, doesn't he? Yeah, come, he come, come back, come back for three games, then he's back on the beach. He, he better come back in some absolutely hot form. Yeah. If I was Marco Silva, I'd having him do the most outrageous, like Rocky style training to get him fit. I'd yeah. be having him run across all sorts of deserts just to get like in obscene shape, just for those three games. And and tell him if he doesn't score three hat tricks, he's not coming back the next season. You heard it here first. That's what Reese Parker wants out of Alexander. Oh, I'm sorry. When you when you let your team down like that, you need to make it up to them, and that the only way you yeah. do that is through hard work. Yeah, exactly. You, you've got to prove yourself to be better than than what you've shown on the pitch there. So, absolutely. So, Tom, this week, Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger were both inducted into the Premier League Hall of Fame, and a new list of nominees um, were announced. 
And it comes as no surprise that the shortlist was dominated by players from the big six with little to no recognition for players from the other 14. Disgraceful. So we decided to take it upon ourselves to have a look at what players and managers we believe deserve a space in the Hall of Fame. And if they won't even listen to us, we'll maybe we can start our own other 14 Hall of Fame. Um, so I'm going to go straight back in and say, first of all, I went to the socials again. Okay. Um, because I wanted to gauge from fans of the pre- of the other 14 exactly what they, who they thought deserved spaces as well. So um, I, I dipped onto Reddit um, with uh, our other 14 um Reddit account, so that's uh, you slash the other 14 podcast. And I put posts onto various other 14 clubs pages just to see who they thought deserved a spot in the Hall of Fame. Um, I'm, I'm going to just run through you some, just because I think some of them are, maybe it'll make you contemplate or think about your list. I, I've put together a list of three players and three managers. You've yeah. done a list of three players. And, well, maybe this list can make you think about uh, who you would want to be considered as well. Going through, um, obviously, Shearer is already in the Hall of Fame for his yeah. absolute madness. At you sort of have to be as a record goal scorer. Yeah, so obviously record goal scorer for Southampton, Newcastle and Blackburn with that Premier League win as well. So absolutely tremendous effort. Um, so a couple of... Uh... He doesn't get his manager, surely, though. No, well, that's true. I don't think any Newcastle fan would uh, put him forward to that. The seven games or eight games that he was... He would probably still be rated amongst Newcastle fans as better than Steve Bruce. Oh, 100%. (laughs) So, um, some Saints fans said uh, Letizia, um, James Ward-Prowse, if he was to get the free kick record, which I thought was interesting, like whether you maybe link them to to records. And then also linking to record, Shane Long for the fastest goal in the Premier League. And it's whether you then go take him out and put someone else in or whether you have like a record section to the Hall of Fame and to recognise a great achievement. And then if they get knocked off, because Shearer, for example, is in there because he's the highest goal scorer. Should Kane go and beat that? Do you take? Obviously, you're not going to take Shearer out, but it's worth acknowledging. Um, it is, yeah. Um, it's like, do you, do you acknowledge Peter Crouch's most headed goals in the Premier League? Do you, you... Yeah, it depends how far you go down. Um, yeah. So, Villa fans, um, two suggestions, even though they did both play at some uh, big six clubs. Gareth Barry, because he holds the most appearances, which yeah. I think is quite a strong candidate. Yeah. Brad Friedel for the most consecutive starts in the Premier League. I club. saw that. Admittedly, obviously, obviously did have a spell at Tottenham and Liverpool earlier in his career. Yeah. Um, at Liverpool then. Um, then some great suggestions from some West Ham fans, including obviously De Canio, um, Big Sam, and then, Roberto uh, as the biggest fraudster because he uh, appeared to impersonate a goalkeeper on the team sheet every for a couple of weeks under Pellegrini, um, <laughs> but didn't actually perform in between the sticks like one. Um, understandably, Forest fans, um, a lot of them jumped on the, understandably, the football existed before 92 crowd uh, bandwagon. Yeah, and they went, well, what about Clough? 
which in all fairness, you can't disagree. Klopp is a phenomenal manager, but yep. didn't do as much in the Premier League. Um, Psycho and Collymore. Obviously, Collymore yep. had a stint at Liverpool, but otherwise, I think... And Southend. Yeah, and Southend. But I think uh, Psycho is a great shout. Um, Everton, I quite liked uh, some of their suggestions. So, uh, Leighton Baines, Tim Cahill. Tim Cahill, yeah. Neville Southall. Admittedly, he did a lot pre-92, but he was a pretty established Premier League goalkeeper at the yeah. start of the Premier League. Um, and then, uh, I think a tongue-in-cheek one here, uh, Solomon Rondon. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, and then you've got some final, some ones from Leicester fans here, um, Vardy, Ranieri and Kevin Phillips. Yeah. Which I think I, Kevin I... Phillips would, if you've gone to Sunderland fans as well, since he was the... I think he's the only English player to ever only win English the golden, win the golden gold, shoe. Yeah, golden shoe. Yeah. Um, which I think, uh, which I think's quite phenomenal. So, I've got a list of a couple of players, um, and do you want to name one of yours first? And because there's a chance, okay, well, well, there's two, a limited two amount. Already, two of them already been mentioned um, that you've gone through the. Um, Gone through that, uh, gone through the Reddit, the subreddits uh, of the other fourteen clubs, and I think I, I do agree with the uh, with the Leicester and yeah, Leicester supporters on Kevin Phillips. Okay, um, you know, one particular big Kev. Well, I think let's that is you know let's let, let's surround that only English player um, at time of recording to win the European Golden Shoot. That is an incredible record. And that was for a thirty-goal season, I think. Which I think was his either debut season for Sunderland and his first season in the Prem. Mm-hmm. For you know, to make your sort of appear, you know, your your introduction to the Premier League, that that is that is quite something to do. And also became named the Player of the Year. He is a Player of the Year, um, you know, winner for the Premier League. You know, you, you're putting him in some amongst the the lights of Kevin De Bruyne. Um, well, Luis Suarez, those sort of names. Um, and let's not also forget, I, I know it's Premier League, but he was part of that Birmingham side that beat Arsenal in the League Cup final. Was he? So he, he does have a major honour. Wow. Um, wow, that's... And H and H I the 100 club. Like, fair play to him. Like, I'd never really thought that. But John, I know the biggest joke. So obviously, he won the golden shoe in that 99-2000 season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I'm looking on the Ballon d'Or results for to the year 2000. Um, not even a mention. Not even <laughs> nowhere on it. Really? Nowhere to be seen. He yeah. won it that year. So that year it was won by Figo. Um, he played for in the lead was that, both was that Barcelona Figo and around... Madrid. Oh. Um, then well, two runners up: wow. Zidane, Shevchenko, then Honoré, Nesta, Rivaldo. Um, they're all. I, I, an, yeah, there uh, is an English those, player. Those on, there is an English player on that list: David Beckham. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I suppose Manu had just won the treble with him as well. So yeah, um, Fabian Barthez also on that list as well, which is uh, well, I suppose he. Euro 2000, he won. I, I guess you know things like Ballon d'Or, you sort of have to do it on a more international stage as well. So there, there is that. So um, yeah. he was a little bit of a disadvantage, but still, you know, 30 goals and to yeah. win the golden shoe. 
Yeah, I, I think it's oh, a tremendous crazy. record. Also, in the nicest way possible, I say this for Sunderland as well. Yeah, which I think is obviously a phenomenal, um, great yeah. shout. Um, um, I think I'm going to agree with you here on one of the players as well. Um, Jamie Vardy, I think, is probably the the player. Or see, he... I didn't go for Vardy just purely because he didn't. He's still playing. But 100%, he would but get I, I suppose the I, front, I'm going to say Vardy because he's still playing. Because in the nice way possible, I think, the the golden era of Vardy's over. Yeah. Um, and just looking at what he has done. So, signed to Leicester from Fleetwood for £1 million. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the time, at the time of the signing, a lot of Leicester fans were going, why have we spent £1 million on a player from Fleetwood? He's then gone on in his career to score Premier League career to score 134 goals. He's got it's four, mad how quickly that's just sort of stacked up. Exactly. 49 assists. So he's almost hit that 50 assist mark. Yeah. In the 15 16 season where they won the title, he scored 24 goals. Yeah. He's got he got the record run of goals in sequential games. He took that from Van Nistelrooy. And also, and also, that volley against Liverpool. Yeah, you had to remind me of that, didn't you? Of course. Um, I just think you, he... we did have Mignolet goal. <laughs> yeah, and it was Lover, and he was up against. Yeah. But in terms of I think... player to the to celebrate what this podcast is about, celebrating that quality. Yeah. From a player that's. From side off his career, and so many words have been written about Jamie Vardy, and we're not going to add anything more to the argument. I just think he is phenomenal. He's bit obviously not at his best anymore. He'll still come up with like moments of greatness, I'm sure. Like in this run in for Leicester, I'm sure he'll still grab one or two goals. Um, I just think that he he was everything, part of everything that was good about that Leicester side. Just yeah. the sheer determination, work ethic and just moments of magic that you need to win a league title like they did. Yeah, he, he had his purple patch like right at the, the best possible moment and I think so did at least sort of four or five other sort of Leicester players in, in that side. The thing is, he has um, gone on to consistently score a good, like for up until maybe He's become a season, lethal Premier League striker. He just kept scoring and also his pace didn't really fade. Like he was no. ra- he was rapid when he first came it's, to the I league. I think it's all because of the WKD Blues that he was on. Yeah, but he's not really dropped that much in terms of, I know he's not quite there anymore, but still I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to be defending with the prospect of him running no. in behind because he's Still pacey as hell, um, but yeah, no, I think mention. the likelihood is at some point, obviously, um, when he when he does sort of pack it in, he will definitely be made. I'd be very shocked if he doesn't make the Premier League Hall of Fame, yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, absolutely, he should be in there. Um, okay, so of retirees, who do, who else do you have on your list? Um, you've mentioned him already, um, going through the subreddits, uh, Gareth Barry. I, I think there is a lot to be said about most appearances in the Premier League, just that longevity. And yes, he did play for City and he did win the title at City. But the majority of his time was spent at Villa and then he had, I think, quite a sizable um, stint uh, at Everton. Um, yeah, and then West Brom about as well. Three, four, and West Brom to finish it off. You know, I think it was it 653 Premier League appearances, 21 clear of Ryan Giggs. You know, Ryan Giggs was there since the inception of the Premier League. Um and just it was just ever present. 
Um, yeah, there was sort of he did have links. I think this was going back to Rafa Benitez days um, at Liverpool when we were sort of on the potential of losing Xabi Alonso. Rafa, for whatever reason, decided that he saw Gareth Barry as a as an ideal sort of swap, like for like for for Xabi Alonso. Is, but it's quite interesting as Barry because you never really. I don't think you would ever really watch many of those 600-odd games and go, oh, Gareth Barry is man of the match there. Would you? Like, he was, like, no. he was, he was never a, ma- a player that would produce magic and those magical moments. But I say it's the longevity that you've got to respect there and the yeah, consistency I, of performance. I think is that probably that spell sort of, let's say, 2007 to maybe like the, the middle part of his sort of City career. That was when prime Gareth Barry was around. Um, becomes a seasoned into England international with 53 appearances, makes um, the World Cup score for 2010 under Capello. Um, he's also 17th uh, on the all-time list of assists. Um, See that? For, wow. Yeah, 17th. Um, and 36 appearances in Europe outside of his time with City. So, you know, he's he, like I said, he has been an ever-present and he's done... He hasn't won everything in the game, but he's pretty much touched every sort of competition that you can play as a player yeah short of getting close to european title i assume he's he's won what premier league he's won the fa fa cup with city oh he he did win the intertoto cup with villa in 2001 and i recognize that as possibly the best uh best competition out there because west ham have also won it um well okay gareth gareth barry i think is is very notable on the same kind of the same way wavelength as you in terms of longevity and quality on I've on my list have a player that made the most Premier League appearances but only for the other 14 okay. and that is Mr Gary Speed I think that's that's a, that's so, a very very honourable shout out 353 appearance sorry 335 appearances so obviously a little short of Gareth Barry's total but they were for Newcastle, Leeds, Bolton and Everton. So kind of if we were to pick a team exclusively through history of other 14 players, yeah. he's on the he's on the team sheet, no doubt. Like yeah. he was absolute quality. Um all all for him. Obviously went on to do great things with Wales as well, being able to kind of bring a, t- a team. Led their rebirth effectively. That, exactly. And obviously incredibly tragic what happened to him but as a Premier League player an absolute force almost like again similar to Barry in style in that you wouldn't really watch a game there wouldn't be too many where you're writing home about him but at the same time when he's your player on in your team he would just do a job for you he would be one of the first teams on the team sheet every single week you wouldn't want to drop him at all um and yeah going back to sort of like the, uh, the the tragedy surrounding his passing you know, you could just sense from everyone's sort of reaction just how well respected he was. And I think that I also look at that in terms of criteria for sort of Hall of Fame decisions um, in terms of getting in, just how well respected certain players are. Oh, yeah, you know, you're not getting yes, in they'll if have, you're a yes, they'll have the, Yes, they'll have the talents and yes, they'll have the stats to, to back it up. But also just how you sort of conducted yourself and how you, you sort of came across as a human being, I think... You know that that goes a long, long way, and and Gareth uh, and Gary Speed was definitely one of those sort of, sort of guys. Mm, but, uh, yeah, I feel I feel agree with that sort of. Uh, I, I agree with that soon. So, 
You say about what people say about them is a deciding factor. And I think I might have slightly gone against this with my next pick because because I think a lot of players... Have you done El El Hajjouf? No, I haven't done El Hajjouf. God, no. Um, So this is a player that obviously this is very much from a personal point of view as well. So play for Sheffield Wednesday, became a cult hero at West Ham and also had some time at Charlton. Um, Paolo Di Canio, an absolute wizard of a player. So, 66 Premier League goals, 32 assists. So, almost 100 goal contributions in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, obviously, when we talk about what play people say about him and how he's rece- perceived, not great that he went. Uh, he maybe has some links to uh, Italian far right movements. Not yeah. ideal. I acknowledge that. Um, And also, but when he was manager at Sunderland and they beat Newcastle all that time, when he went absolutely mental, I'm all for that sort of passion. Yeah, Um, he was a very, you know, you can't deny his passion at all. Yeah, I I think there are three moments that really stand out for me in kind of Paolo Di Canio's career. And and it's the good, the bad and the majestic. So the good um, against Everton, game for West Ham, Game's one all. It's in extra time. Everton keeper goes sliding out, wins the ball, but then pulls a muscle. So he's down on the ground. West Ham whip the ball into the box. The Canio could have just like a simple one-touch goal. Easy. Could have won the game 2-1. Would have made Harry Redknapp the happiest man on the planet. Instead, catches the ball and set, points to the goalie down. And I think that is pure sportsmanship. Like you just don't really ever get that level. Like he yep. could have won the game away at Goodison Park would have been yep. an absolutely tremendous result for Harry Redknapp's men. Bain said he saw the bigger picture, didn't almost didn't feel it was fair to be scoring when the goalie is like not even in the way of the goal. He was out out of the box, miles away, and he still did that. Then the bad, and this is where it's oh, a little naughty. So it does kind of go to uh, almost the Mitrovic discussion. Yeah. For Sheffield Wednesday in 1998, he may have pushed over the referee. And when I say may have pushed over the referee, he fully pushed Paul Alcock over um, and got himself an 11-match ban. I do kind of stand by that the ref, dear old Paul, made a massive deal out of it, but it's still not ideal. (laughs) I mean, yeah, let's... Let, let's just sort of put it out there, you know, clear as crystal, it is not okay to push over a referee. No, not in the slightest. <laughs> Referees don't make a deal out of it, yeah. but no, completely unacceptable from, from yeah. him. And then, classic De Canio. And then, well, that's the thing. It's, you kind of, I think to be a genius, you have to have moments of madness as well. You have to have that red mist, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and then I think if you look at all quality players, there is a, an element of that kind of Particularly players of particular, like, I don't know, that kind of spark, I think, always a lot of players have that. Like, look at Rooney, for example. Yeah. Had magic in him, but also, particularly when he was younger and maybe when he was better, the fury within him as well was absolutely yep. tremendous. And that's almost what pushes you through. Um, and then the Majestic, one of the most iconic Premier League goals to me against Wimbledon. Oh, yeah. That deep cross that gets whipped in from the right hand side. He's loitering outside back post, does that majestic kind of 
bicycle we've, we've, like, all, we've all tried to like reenact like, it at some point or another oh, just, yeah, you, but, you end up breaking your legs just trying to do it I, I think the sadness is obviously there's kids playing football now and that if you were to run onto the ball like that and shout Decanio they wouldn't know what you're on about but for <laughs> us for us if you do that you're playing five aside someone plays a little chippy ball through to you and you can hit it on the volley like that you're yeah. gonna it and outside of the boot into the far post like one of the most glorious I could just imagine it now with the mitre ball as well yeah it's pure like Premier League flashbacks nostalgia. nostalgia yeah so yeah that's that's my Decanio pick but I do accept as well that it is a bit of I am a West Ham fan so there's an element of rose tinted no, glasses I, about it no I, I get that and I, I think some you know Hall of Fames whether it's Premier League or you know any other sport around the world I think sometimes you do have to have some of these cult figures in because otherwise it, it wouldn't you're selecting these players because they've made the game or the league or whatever it is what it is today the Premier League would not be what it is today without the highlights that was Paolo Di Canio and I think that is a, a very legitimate shout um, for, for a Hall of Fame pick yeah. he doesn't help himself with his sort of sideshow sometimes no but, but I suppose that adds to the character as but well it, it adds to the legend that is Paolo Di Canio so yeah. I, I um, think that's a, that's, a, that's a quality shout I also have to say the um, absolute brilliant FA Cup goal at Old Trafford to knock Man U out when he's played through and Fabian Barthez tries to deceive him by t- claiming he's offside and just stands there with his arms in the air, like trying to appeal to the lines. And <laughs> Canio is having absolutely none of it and just rolls it past him and goes yeah. off. Like, just just the panache and the character of a man. Like, yeah. And that's why he's... It, while, while, he was, while he was a West Ham player, West Ham weren't that successful, but... It's, you could I go each think... weekend and watch Paolo Di Canio play. Yeah, and that's the thing. And it's the same way as almost like, and we, uh, West Ham fans had that again when they had Pyatt. Admittedly, they had a great yeah. season, like in that 15-16 season. But it's just that play that when they get the ball, it makes you excited to see what they yeah. can do. And yeah. I think a lot for the other four, a lot of teams, the other 14, that's what you're looking for, particularly when you're not, you know you're not going to be winning a title, you know you're not going to be winning silverware, yeah. and that's part of the entertainment aspect of it, which... I think it's probably for a lot of the teams down near the bottom, they're not going to be getting this season because points are more important than performances, but that magic means everything. Yeah, exactly. Okay, do you have another player for me? I do indeed. So it's not a player that you mentioned previously. Um, I'm intrigued. It's it's a keeper. You mentioned Brad Friedel already, but I think there is a better other 14 keeper out there. I hope that. Or um, have they ever played for the Big Six? Yes, but only four games in the league. Only four games in the league? Yeah. So I was going to say, one of the shouts I would possibly say is Shea Given, because I think like he had a, such a good long career. Again, fantastic shout. Um, it's not who I've gone for. It's not, the, minute, just, it, it, it's not the Secretary just... of Defence, is it? What's that? Tim Howard. Oh no. no! Oh, okay. No. A goalie that's not Brad Friedel. I mean, plus that's Tim, not Tim Howard Given. played so many more league games for United. I don't. Before. To be honest, I can't remember because that was the yeah. mid like Barthez. Um, so this Van der Sar era where they yeah. went through him and Roy Carroll and oh god, Roy Carroll, someone else who was useless. Um, so this keeper is currently third on the all-time list for clean sheets in the Premier League. 
with 151. Oh, sorry. He has played for the other four to, uh, for the big six. Yeah, four league games for Chelsea. Oh, that's not who. Who the bloody hell is it? Because I was then thinking David James, but obviously David James has since at City and Liverpool. Um... He's Australia's oldest serving player and the oldest serving player for both Leicester and Chelsea. Uh, well into his forties, it is Mark Schwarzer. That is a phenomenal pick. God, oh, Mark Schwarzer. Oh, third in the all-time list for Premier League clean sheets. Yes, Petrček has two hundred and two, like nearly over fifty more. But to be third in the all-time list for clean sheets for pretty much playing all your games for the other fourteen minus four games for Chelsea, that's just a phenomenal feat. So I did have Brad Friedel down, but actually I think I prefer Mark Schwartz as a pick. He's just yeah, again longevity. You know, it's one of the reasons why I went for Gareth Barry as well. How many how many it, fixtures did Schwartz play? Oh God, let's have a look. Right, bear with. Uh, so he started off, um, I think in, in Australia with Mark only further, then he had a, a few sort of um odd seasons make, making very limited um appearances for Bundesliga sides, but appeared first in the Premier League for Middlesbrough in 96 97. Um, yeah. and then it played ever since right up to well. He made some leading cup appearances um, for Leicester in 15-16 when they won the league, but never made a league appearance for them. So, unfortunately, he didn't win a, a winner's medal. Um, but he played right up until 14-15. So, what? that longevity in itself is Yeah, just that's nuts. incredible. Like, what an absolute player uh, that is. Mark, like, yeah. Like, 514 appearances, 151 clean sheets. Um dating from 96, 97, right through till 16, 17. That was the last time it was active. Wow. So that's 20, that's 20 years. That's incredible. Like, a 20-year yeah. playing career in the Premier League. I give you that. Mark Schwarzer is a fantastic bit. A part of that Borough team with uh, led by Stephen One, McLaren. So I yeah. think that's a League Cup victory in there. For League Cup well. victory in 04 against beating Bolton in the final, which again was their first, was Borough's first major silverware ever. So wow. Colt's, Colt's date is already there. Absolutely. And then he went on. So he, he also played in the. Um, he would have been part of that Fulham team that got to the uh, Europa League fight as well against Atletico. Yeah, that was uh, 2009, 2010, wasn't it? Yeah, 2009, 10, where he. Oh, God. That season he made 60 appearances for Fulham. Yep. That is mad. Like, absolutely fair play to him. Yeah, Mark Schwartz, that is a absolutely phenomenal pick. Wow, I'm just looking at his career now. I didn't realise he played in Germany. Um, where? Wow, that was yeah, Mark Schwarzer. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little annoyed. I didn't even really think of Mark Schwarzer yeah. to be honest, because I think because um... I, I think you've you've done you've gone down a route of looking at I think not players who statistically were fantastic, but had sort of magic moments and a, a good Premier League career. I, I went more for sort of statistical side of things yeah. and just looking at all time stats, specifically sort of goals and clean sheets. Yeah, because I, I think I think of kind of that peak early two thousands Premier League, and when you think of goalies, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Shea Given. I'm thinking, yeah, Schwarzer, Brad Friedel. Yeah. Um, you've also got the likes of someone else who's just escaped my mind. Um, 
UC Askelainen, for example, like yep. all absolute quality. Because yeah, Brad, Brad Friedel, Brad Friedel was on my list because those three hundred and ten consecutive Premier League games, and then also the fact that he does have a Premier League goal to his name as well. Yes. Um, and there's very that is an elite club of. Uh, so I think who has goalies with Premier League um, goals? I think you've got Friedel, Schmeichel, Allison, Allison Begovic. Did he score yes. one? And Tim Howard, um, Paul Robinson, Paul like so. Oh, no, against Cycling I'm... GK, Ben Foster get one. No, that was it. Was it was against Cycling oh, GK? Oh, it was against him. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we've got some great. So, so my three I'd be putting forward are Avar, Avardi, Decanio, and Speed. Um, yeah, and me, Phillips, Schwartz, and Barry. Oh, that's already six players for an absolutely elite lineup of a team. Yeah. Oh, imagine that. Oh. Vardy and Decanio up top would be absolute yeah. carnage. I, I, I do, like, could you imagine, like, the energy between those two would just be, like, frenetic? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't want to start a fight with either of them because the other Christ. one would come in like a train and, yeah. Oh, okay, I think we've got a uh, a great six there. Like, and you know like, what? Yeah, go on. I was going to say, I, I do have a couple of managers here, but I think we'll save that for a next episode to be able to have yeah. a full-on, good, lengthy discussion because we've spent a lot of time talking about players there. And I think... yeah. Oh, so I'm just I'm trying to think if we're piecing together an all time uh, all time Premier League other fourteen like if we're putting together a uh, a lineup here. So we've got what Schwarzer in goal. Yeah. Um, sorry, who were your three? Yours were uh, Barry... Phillips, Schwarzer, and Barry. Oh, so the front three would be Phillips, Vardy, and Decanio. Decanio. So then going to Baines and uh, sorry, not Baines. Sorry. Um, we're gonna have you might um, have Baines. Well, I've got him. I do have him as a as a another ca- option, but we'll talk about him another episode. Yeah. But yeah, Barry and Speed in the middle of the park as well. Ah, oh, that's great. Okay, I've really enjoyed looking at that, and I think to be honest, a lot of them have added. I'm gonna put it out there and say they've added more to the game than some of the nominees that have been put forwards this. Uh, yeah, because I, 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 get... I think in the nicest way possible, he was a great player, but. Like for one of the candidates for this t- time round, one of the nominees is Yaya Torre. No doubt, Yaya Torre was a phenomenal football player. Yeah, but he was at City for eight seasons. City, when they had so much money, they were signing everyone. I think his eight seasons and what he did is less of an achievement than like Jamie Vardy, for example. Oh, 100%. But again, I don't think the Premier League are currently selecting sort of active players. True. Okay, so... okay, even then, I would say. Gary Speed, Gareth Barry. Uh, yeah, for them, for them not to be considered yet, I think is a little bit. The Gareth Barry not being considered is absolute madness to me. I know he did yeah. play for City for a little bit, but and we, but you know what, he played so much for the other fourteen as well. I think. And part of that team that won that that first league title for City, the Aguero year. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think I, I think the Premier League are just trying to get these sort of. And I don't like it. But it's almost but at the point where they're just going, these... oh, you've won a league, so come on, there you go, have a Hall exactly. of Fame pack up, which I yeah, don't I, think I, is... I don't think that's a true Hall of Fame. I... No, it's... And also, that's the thing is, well, the way it's decided is there's a fan's vote, which yeah. ultimately there's going to be... be heavily skewed. There's going to be such a skew towards the big six because yeah. they'll get international votes as well from players, yeah, exactly. from fans from all over the world who have never watched a game other than watching Man U Liverpool every so often and they, they'll they get a vote yeah. and 
Whereas but, the likes, how, how, who, the likes yeah. who wouldn't know who Gary Speed is, wouldn't know who yeah, Mark Schwartz exactly. is, Kevin whereas, Phillips would be unknown to them all. Yeah, whereas how it, how it works in, say, the, the Baseball Hall of Fame is that a player would be retired for X amount of years and then the baseball writers would then get a list of players who would be eligible for said um, batch of Hall, of Hall of Fame votes. They would vote for said players and then whoever passes a certain barrier then gets announced on the Hall of Fame. And then you're on that list for, say, 10 years. And if you don't get elected to the Hall of Fame, then that's that's you done. Well, that's really interesting. I didn't know that's how it worked. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do kind of get why they're trying I get, to I get the fan together, vote, but... but... It, for me, it's so looking back, they've kind of gone. The way they're doing it is, oh, we are we're behind a lot of sports. We don't have a hall of fame. How are we going to catch up? Oh, let's list a load of winners from big teams. Yeah, exactly. Let's try and get, think, try and get them the in quickly. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily the fairest way because it's a Premier League hall of fame, not a big six hall of fame. And I think some of the contributions that these players have made to the Premier League is more significant than some yeah. of the nominees. Exactly. Anyway. Thank you, Tom, for that exercise. And we'll come back with um, some manager Hall of Fame suggestions in the next couple of episodes, I reckon. I think so. So, Tom, some weeks we are scraping the barrel um, when trying to appoint our Goal of the Week award. But with 21 goals to pick from, um, you're certainly not panning for gold. You're raiding the treasure chest. Who do you think deserves to be this week's Goal of the Week? Goal of the week. Well, I'm certainly raiding, and I have, as far as I, yeah, it, I well, have it's not a short list, is it? Let's uh, be on my short list. It's it's a not a short list. list. It's a long list. Because it's a long list. Like, I know we haven't talked about all the like, results, so we might mention a couple of them here. But I've got a yeah. list of um, <laughs> one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten quality goals. I think. Could be winners on some other weeks where we've had quieter ones. Oh, like all, all of these could have e- easily been winners um, in the, in their own right. Um, I I do have one favourite. So from a personal perspective, I, I think my choice is, is quite easy. Okay. Um, but I I will run through um what I've what I picked out. Um, starting up from the top, uh, I've got Pereira's goal uh against Bournemouth. Um, just that build-up play, and it was probably about the only sort of decent aspect that Fulham had in that game. Um, I've got it down as just written, the, phenomenal team goal. Yeah, team goal, Cherry's defenders at sixes and sevens, and then it was a a, a lovely sort of firm finish from Andrea Pereira. Um, and then also in that game, but obviously for Bournemouth, uh, Tavernier's goal um, against them. Um, it was a punch away from Leno. Uh, from the corner of the box and then just literally sticks it on his left and curls it top bins lovely little finish um i've gone then in that three all brentford brighton sort of absolute showdown premier league classic um absolutely entertaining fixture uh matoma's goal um where still gets the assist <laughs> route one you can get more route one than that uh, and then matoma uses his 60 degree wedge um to lift it over raya so I think with oh yeah, firstly, like phenomenal goal. It's always great to see a goalkeeper make an assist. Um what I liked about that game is what it was two all after twenty-eight minutes or something stupid. It's clearly yeah, daft. two teams playing without any pressure. If I look at the quality of game yep. between that and West Ham Southampton, which I had to sit through, 
Like it's apples and oranges. Oh, unfortunately, I also watched that as well. Like, yeah, it's clearly two teams that are playing without pressure and just went out and were like, "We're going to have fun in the sun today." And with they no play- fear. And and that is when people talk about an entertaining Premier League product. That is it. And you can see based on their t- league yeah. position, they have no worries. They have no stress. Their managers, almost the managers don't need to say anything other than go on lads, go and have a good time. And boy, did they have it. And just enjoy it. There was yeah. some absolutely great. That was, like, that was a great fixture. The goals, a lot of the goals were all good um, from there. Yeah. And I think, yeah, but Matoma's was probably the pick for me with that. That lob was just chef's kiss. It was lovely. Then, you know, it sums up Matoma's season that he's sort of having. Um, just others from that game. I've got um, also Pinnix um, for Brentford. Um, um, good free we, kick. We're not uh, allowed to about pick 35 that. yards out. We can't pick that because that uh, he was on my oh, bench on you, football. Is you on your fantasy? Yeah. Well, that's up to you for not picking him in the first place. So, um, And then it's just an outside of the boot finish just to get past still. So, yeah, lovely finish from him. Um, then moving on, um, I've got another Pereira on there. Uh, this time for Leicester, Ricardo Pereira. That is, yeah, great. Obviously, um, can't, can't, sort of can't win because it was in a. It was for the losing team, but absolute. And so ab- does the other Pereira as well. Yeah, absolute rocket though. Like Ricardo Pereira, just yeah, just sort of falls to his feet and then decides, you know, what, I'm just going to twat it. Yeah, and you know what? Absolutely quality finish. The way it almost, like goes over the keeper as well. Um, yeah. Just yeah, all all for that goal. Um, yeah, considering Leicester only had three shots in that game, the fact that one of them was of that quality is outstanding. Yeah. Uh, and then conversely, at the other end, I've got Matetas, um, just because technically it was brilliant. Um, ball was sort of passed into him quite hard, quite forcefully, um, but then sort of controls it brilliantly and turns to line up the shot pretty much all in one motion um, and then just sort of slots it home um, to get Palace their first win of this calendar year and the first one under Roy to get them sort of back up and running again back to sort of like the Palace side that should be sort of finishing mid-table um, well, I thought that was a, a tremendous little finish Yes, yeah, hard not to acknowledge the quality of a 94th minute goal Yeah um, Also, it was fired into him the, the fact that he took it on the turn was sensational The only thing I'd yeah, like to really mention from really that, that game is I think Eze's free kick was quality. The fact that it's down as an own goal feels a little cruel, the fact that it came off the back of Everson. It does feel cruel, but I mean, it... I don't know if it... It wasn't going in. <laughs> You're not, yeah, I, I just think it was a fantastic free kick, and the fact that he only gets assist feels a little wrong, but yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I love that. Um, in terms of yeah. other goals that I think... Yep. One that probably won't necessarily be on your lit. Well, won't be necessarily as high up. Um, I think Podence's finish was really good in uh, in the Wolves game. Uh, Wolves's goal. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The only reason I haven't got that on there was because Matoma scored a similar goal and Matoma's was better. Fair enough. Um. And then one that one that I did like was um. Mainly because I was there as the only bright spot of the game was. Aguirre's header for West Ham against Southampton. I just thought it was a really good like set piece header. Yeah, I mean it was a, it was a thumping header, um, and from quite a distance out. And I, I do actually have that down because I, I, I he put it pretty much right where the keeper can get it. So Aguirre has become 
the 165th different player to score for West Ham in the Premier League and excluding own goals. And that is the most different scores for any team in the league. So West Ham have had 165 different goal scorers. The next beneath them is Spurs with 162 and beneath them Newcastle with 161. So I think it, that kind of goes to show how West Ham have never really had a consistent goal scorer for long stretches of time. The fact they've relied on goals from literally anyone. But a hun- he's their 165th different scorer, which I think is a fantastic that is stat. That is quite an incredible stat, actually. Yeah, I yeah. love that. Um, and then I think in both goals in the Chelsea-Villa game, I think are worth a shout out. Um Ollie Watkins yeah. absolutely capitalising on some woeful defending. Similar finish to Matomas as well, just lifting it over the lifting it over the oncoming keeper in a delightful fashion. Yeah. Um and then McGinn's winner. Actually, no, it was sorry, it wasn't Pedenses. Yeah, it was sorry, it wasn't Pedenses. That was similar. It was it was it was uh, it was Watkins. The only reason I didn't have um Pedence on there was because he spat at, or potentially spat at Brennan Johnson. But Oh, I didn't clock that, but that um, was punishment. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so Watkins continuing his run of goals. And then McGinn's winner. Um, I just have written, I just have my goal. notes. Thunderbastard through bodies. Like, see, see if... Be- I wouldn't, I wouldn't class that as a, th- I wouldn't class that as a Thunderbastard. Oh, it was hit with some zip on it, though. It was, it was hit, but it, like, I, I was watching the highlights, uh, the Premier League uh, highlights on Sky Sports. And I sort of agree with the co-commentators. He's, He's almost done a sort of like a con- controlled pass or whippage um, past Kepper. He's not put the laces through it, but he's, you know, put a lot of power behind it. But it's, it's more of like a sort of controlled pass into the back of the net. Okay. It, I still love it. But Yeah. Um, I assume since we've gone through pretty much my whole list here, there's one goal that is, is the goal that you texted me about um, last night. Yeah. Um, I've... I've also got Brennan Johnson's goal on there just because, you know, he, he took it down well and it was quite a tight angle to finish from. You know, I've got, just got three Cs there, cool, composed and clinical from Johnson, which is, um, you know, sums up pretty much what he's done near enough all, all season long for, for Forrest, who's been one of their sort of more sort of brighter sparks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was one other goal that I was watching on Monday night that just, again, like... I he's my clear favourite for for this week's goal of the week, and I have the one note, one word note um, for this, and that is thunderburst, a uh, thunderbusters. That is Michael Keynes against Spurs. The way I saw it described as was a Brexit Vincent Company goal, <laughs> which I think is quite accurate. Not just, wrong. Just set, uh, a centre back. It wasn't quite like Vincent Company because it wasn't quite top bins. No, um, but in terms of his centre back realizing it's been played to them, realizing there's space for them to kind of just wander into space opens up and just thoughts. I'm just going to twat this. Yeah, like there's loads of like just the space opened up. Spurs went on, so they're down both down to ten men at this point. Um, part of a chaotic game. Spurs were shocking that game. Um, well, get rid of Conte and look what happens. Um, and he just thinks, oh, I'm just going to put my foot through it. And that Goodison crowd, absolutely, they went. Raptures! It was a phenomenal goal. I think what it shows is, yeah, a, a great, a great way to win yourself a point in a relegation battle against a team where you most people would have written you off against beaten. Yeah, I think I think what that goal showed is pretty much everybody associated with Fulham is fully behind what Deitch is trying to do. And I think if we're looking at 
And I mean, every, sorry, consort. everyone at Everton is suddenly behind Dyche. He said Fulham. <laughs> Did I say Fulham? In all fairness, wow. Fulham might Fulham might be uh, behind uh, behind Dyche as well. Yeah, um, sorry. Um, yeah, everyone at Everton is, is definitely sort of behind Dyche now. Um, and you know, I've sort of taken a little bit of a sidestep away from goals of the week. If we're looking at managers who've performed, you know, come in into a new job and performed exactly what they were sort of brought in to do, I think Dyche has done that down to a T. Um, but anyway, back to the main point. I have, I don't think. From my perspective, I don't think there's a better goal this week than, than Keynes against against Spurs. I suppose it's what it means. The fact that the redemption element as well, the fact that he uh, he gave away the penalty and I think he acknowledged as well in an absolute sloppy fashion. The fact yeah. that um, I can't remember what who the Spurs player was that just nicked in front of him and he just caught him. Um, yeah, just real redemption moment for him. Just absolutely thwacking the ball in phenomenal yeah. style. And Lovely finish. The fact that Lloris just didn't even budge. He was planted, couldn't move yeah. for that. He, he was desperate for that ball to go there. wide and it just never did. Yeah, and the way it kind of, it dipped and wobbled as if it was like almost a volley. And That's like the, a Jubilani. Yeah, oh God, the Jubilani ball was absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> I, it's the fact that you could be down at the park and you could get a wobble on it, <laughs> even if you're a crap 16-year-old. Um, but no, I think... Um, so is Michael Keane your your goal of the week winner? It is indeed. Well, congratulations, Michael Keane. That is considering the length of it was a long list, but as soon and, as I saw that, plus yeah. it live, I just thought, yeah, that, yeah that's I, it. I, I thought for me the top two were Keane's and personally uh, Taver, uh, Taverniers as well. The fact that I did like Taverniers, yeah, um, but. And well, it goes to show the quality because they're what twenty-one goals from the other fourteen this weekend. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean and, Christ, we've had some and absolutely dire weeks 11, over the last 11, sort of couple of weeks. 10 or 11 but yeah, of them. So about fifty percent of them was were just bangers, absolute quality. Um, so no, congratulations, Michael Keane. That is a great goal and a great point earned for the Everton. Now it is time for our Fab Four contest, the competition that pitches our score prediction skills against one another. Going into this week, it was all square, Tom, after your phenomenal week uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Yeah, However, as always, it is all change. And I have... Uh, and that's on... it for these other 14 podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs> and I have pushed on again to establish a good lead. So um, we'll briefly cover some of these games if we haven't really mentioned them at all as well so far this uh, this game week. So... It started off well and early for me. So uh, Bournemouth v Fulham. At one point, you would have been laughing because it was one all, and then Bournemouth went and uh, got that winner, um, yeah. and actually had some finishing about them. I think they probably could have scored three or four in that game, but two one win is exactly what I predicted. So that was three points to me gloriously. Um, Forest v Wolves. We both put wins to um, each team. You thinking Wolves were going to do the job away from home, while I thought um, the City Ground was going to be a fortress. Instead, we were both kind of wrong and kind of right with it being a draw, and neither of us getting any points up. Then Brighton Brentford. Somehow we both predicted a draw in this. Yeah. Like, uh, and you went one all. I think thinking back, I was sort of half tempted about a three all, but I just thought, nah, no way, it'll be yes. one all. So you went for a one all. I went for a 2-2, which uh, the fact that we both only get one point feels a little wrong considering I'm a bit closer to the correct score than you. 
Well, um, yeah, that's the rule we've laid down. And then West Ham v Southampton. Um, I surprisingly was a little bit positive about it and put a West Ham win, as did you. Um, we just didn't really predict that it was going to be such a dull game with there only being the one goal in it. Yeah, you put 2-0, but... I put 3-0. And it was oh, just... nice minutes back. And it was just, no, at least you didn't pay for it and you weren't there. And it was just, uh, it was just nigh for Gerd's goal, which saw West Ham and David Moyes taking all three points, which is, which is mad because currently West Ham are one point away from the drop zone, um, but they have one game in hand, which is against City, but they are sitting fourteenth. Like yeah. it's the league means until the final three games of the season, table position means absolutely nothing. And oh, 100%. It, you know, you're seeing some of these pundits sort of saying, oh, well, if they win this game, they end up in 14th. And that's miles away from the radio. No, it's, no, it's not. Yeah, no, it's, it's one point. Like, had one Everton, point. Yeah. Um, I think looking into these, I don't know, it's hard to write off any team, but the way Southampton played was was dismal. Um, but I said yeah. the same about Forrest the other week when Forrest came to the London Stadium. I thought they were woeful, but they keep managed to pick up the odd point. Okay, well, before we predict next week's Fab Four scores, Tom, could you please tell us about what games we have to look forward to in the upcoming game week? So for match week 30 of this year's Premier League, we have the upcoming fixtures. So the Saturday early lunchtime kickoff sees Manchester United going up against Sean Dyche's Everton. Then the start of the three o'clock, we have Aston Villa against Nottingham Forest. Brentford going up against Newcastle, what will be a top-of-the-table clash. And then Fulham against West Ham. Wolves against Chelsea. Tottenham against Brighton. Leicester against Bournemouth. And then the evening kickoff sees Manchester City go down to St Mary's to take on Ruben Zellers, Southampton. And then Sunday sees Leeds United going up against Crystal Palace in what, in what is a two o'clock kickoff. Brilliant, Tom. Thank you very much for that. Uh, once again, some uh, relegation scraps for sure with uh, Leeds Palace and Leicester v Bournemouth. Um, I was about to say it's unfortunate for Southampton that they're at home to Man City, but given Southampton's weird run of form occasionally against some of the big teams and the fact that they beat them in the League Cup earlier this season at St Mary's, um, I'll be intrigued to see how it goes for Southampton um, with that Saturday late kickoff. But for the Fab Four prediction game, we have the following games. We have Aston Villa versus Nottingham Forest. We have Brentford v Newcastle. We have Leicester v Bournemouth. And then Leeds v Palace. So, Tom, Aston Villa have been on phenomenal form since uh, Emery's come in. Um, I think since Emery's been appointed, they've been the they've got the third most amount of points just after City and Arsenal. Yeah. So a home game against Forest, who don't typically travel well. Um, all all the beans to Villa, right? Yeah, I I I'd say it, but I sort of fear for Forest in this game. Um, you know, they're sort of you know you can only pick up so many points from from your home games, but you in in this sort of situation now you have to start picking up away game uh points in your away games. But I just can't see it with the way Villa are playing at the moment. Um, so I'm I'll, I'll put me down for a three 0 Villa win. 3-0 and 
I think Forest might scrape one, so I'm going to go for a three-one Forest, uh, a three-one Villa win. Then Brentford v Newcastle, two teams at the top of the table. So we have Newcastle who have only lost three goal. So we have Newcastle have only lost three games this season. Brentford who have only lost five games this season. Brentford who are also phenomenal at home. Um, Isn't this like five-one in the reverse fixture? That is a great question. Let me quickly go and have a look. So Brentford v Newcastle at St James's Park was 5-1, which is probably Brentford's biggest loss of the season by quite a margin. So um, Brentford definitely had an off game that day. Yeah, so their home fixtures of recent. um, So Drew with Leicester, beat Fulham, Drew with Palace, beat Southampton, beat Bournemouth. They're pretty consistent at home. Um, I'm not sure which way this will go, to be honest. Um, but no, I, just, I. I just think that Newcastle train is starting to pick up. A bit more momentum is starting to build Verdi Howe's men. Yep. So I think it's going to be a 2-1 Newcastle win. Yeah, that's what I wanted to go for. Um... You can go for it, but it's boring and no one wins. And you've got to do the catching up here. Yeah, I know. So I, I'll I'll stick with what we're doing and just not repeating each other's results. Um, so I will think of Newcastle defensively have been good, um, and they're starting to turn around a little bit defensively as well. Um, they might concede the odd goal here and there. Um, I'll put me down for one all. A one-one, great yeah. little prediction there. And you know what? Completely viable. Yeah. And then we have manager, teams. managerless Leicester, who, in all fairness, might have a manager by then, at home to Bournemouth. Well, relegation scrap must need, absolutely must need uh, three points of both teams here. Yeah. Um, with them currently sitting in 17th and 19th in the table. Leicester, one point in their last five. Bournemouth, I can't remember the last time they got back-to-back wins, but it must be... Well, actually, it was... No, the last time they got... it's been that long, hasn't it? No, the last time they got back-to-back wins was... Um, wow. Uh, oh, it was a while ago. Uh, I'm looking. Um, no, they lost that. They won that. They they like to alternate between winning a game and losing a game. Um, no, not there. Not there. Not there. Uh, I don't think they won back-to-back games all season, unless it's right at the start, maybe. Uh, no, they definitely didn't. No, they have not won back-to-back games all season. So, if that's any form to be going on, I think... Plus, Leicester's home form has been somewhat solid. It's probably... It hasn't been horrendous. And, we um, have seen, and we've seen what happens with Palace. You'd lose your manager and there is that bit of, bit of bounce, maybe. Yeah. And, I still don't think Leicester are a bad team, even under Rogers. So I think I'm with you. I see this going Leicester's way. Yeah. Um, but I'm just not sure on scoreline. They have a leaky defence, so I do expect Leicester to concede. But I, I think home fans and that... Well, I say new manager bounce, they don't have a new manager. But I think just that, that sacking will give them a little bit of spurs. Like, oh, wait, I have to get a rasters in gear now. Um, I'll go 2-1 Leicester. 2-1. And I like what you had to say about um, players like we have to get our arse in gear. When when teams are playing badly, 
Pet fans will all always immediately blame the manager. Once the manager goes, there's nowhere yeah. for the players to hide. No, exactly. And I think that's where, at the moment, for example, well, the only team that hasn't sat their manager down uh, that end of the table is West Ham. I think David Moyes is taking all the stick for some absolutely woeful performances from the players of, re- of recent. So, yeah, I think that is, uh, I think, yeah, Leicester players have nowhere to hide. Um, I'm going to go for a 3 0 Leicester win. I think it's going to be transformative I, for them. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad shout, to be fair. Mm. Um, but then it's, it's one of those, like, do I go to that sort of scoreline and then sort of like next week and you know Leicester aren't been playing well and it's like, well, why did I say that in the first place? It's that sort of result. Yeah. But I, I, I still think that is a viable option. No, I, I think so too. Um, the next game then and the final game of the Fab Four prediction is Leeds United versus Crystal Palace at Elland Road. So Palace on this new manager bounce, 30 shots against Leicester. And I wouldn't say Leeds' defence is much better than uh, than Leicester's. No. But Leeds at home do generate do a bit goals. of a buzz and they do yeah. score goals. Looking I think at, it'll be a bit of a slugfest, to be honest. Looking at recent home fixtures, so Drew Tool with Brighton, um, Beat Southampton 1-0. Um, oh, I think it's going to be a tough one. Um, Brain in mind, Leeds also have Forest midweek here as well at uh, Elland Road. So they've got three games here back-to-back, all at home, which are vital for winning here. So uh, with them, um, again, home to Forest, home to Palace and at home to Liverpool. So maybe a little bounce could be on the horizon for Leeds under Javi Gracia with the these couple of fixtures. Yeah. Um but Roy, is Roy going to get Palace up for an away game like this? It's a tough one to predict, isn't it? It's a very Palace tough one. Palace also have a good record against teams in and around them. Um, yeah. In that bottom nine table. And the home form in that is, is very good as well. So, you know what? I'm going to go 3-2. I think it's just going to be an all-out just battle. Slugfest. Okay. 3-2 yeah. to who, though? Leeds. So, deep down... I think Leeds will win. But purely on the game of the kind of probability type of stuff and for survival for other teams, if Palace were to get this win, that would then put Leeds further in the further in the rubbish. And it's almost one of those that where Palace are playing pretty much every team down there, yeah. I would be happy with them being a breakaway and beating every team but West Ham down there. So I'm going to say Palace are going to win. 3-2. Oh, again, I don't think it's a bad shout either. Yeah, it's one I, of I think, that. I think if any team was to break away, and I, I, I think Vieira was sacked at the wrong time. I yeah. think he still could have pulled out these results. But for speaking with my West Ham hat on, I want, I want, if any team's going to pull away, I want it to be Palace because they're already up and kind of moving in that direction now. If they were to go and beat everyone else in the bottom eight, apart from West Ham, then that would just be doing West Ham the business for them to an extent. So, yeah. And yeah. from a neutral's perspective, I want Leeds to win because then it keeps Crystal Palace in and involved and keeping it as maximum amount of teams as possible involved to the in the relegation battle right up to the final day. Yeah, it's absolutely carnage. I, I, you can appreciate the carnage and I do respect that yeah. like, final day, if you had... I can't remember the last time. If it was, it was, nine, if it was nine teams going into the final day, I, I honestly... I don't know how Sky. I don't know how Sky would keep up with that. I, I'm not sure they would be out. No doubt they'll still be focusing on the um, 
race oh, of Champions race. League football. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking of those game week 38 fixtures. Oh, it's like some oh. of them are going to be real slug. Like West Ham Leicester is a game week 38. Hang on. Oh, is game it? Game week that is horrendous. 38 fixtures. Um, pretty game week 38. Here we go. So that final game week, because they all kick off at the same time, 4.30 on a Saturday. So in terms of relegation teams involved, oh, this is spicy. <laughs> so Wolves are away at Arsenal. Tough, tough crack there. Yeah. Palace v Forest Ooh, at Selhurst. Okay. Yeah, I thought that's, yeah. Ever, Everton v Bournemouth at Goodison. Oh, God. <laughs> Leeds are at home to Spurs. Leicester v West Ham at the King Power, and then Southampton are home to Liverpool. There's some brutal. Like genuinely, all of those, apart from maybe Wolves, but that depends. Ars- like because Arsenal, that kind of be their celebratory title lift potentially. Potentially, that could be the toughest one there. But you're looking at Leeds at home to Spurs and Southampton against Liverpool. At this point, you wouldn't write them out of those fixtures either, would you? So No, Liverpool don't travel well, so... Oh, that could be an yeah. app. I want it to be game week 38 now, because I think it'll be an absolute bloodbath. It's going to be phenomenal. Oh. Oh, honestly, people would die. <laughs> oh, well, those are our Fab Four predictions for the game week. And hopefully, with um, going into this game week, Tom, um, I'm on 44 points, you're on 41, so you try... Just three points that I can turn um, around. I think I could possibly do that. That mathematically shouldn't be right. No, it mathematically is correct. Ignore me. I'm talking garbage. Okay. So yeah, Tom, you on 41, me on 44. So just the three points in it. So we'll wait and see how it goes this game week with some very hot and contested fixtures. And with that, we are at the end of this episode of the Other 14 podcast. Tom, thank you for joining me on this week's episode. You're welcome. And thank you to everyone for downloading and listening to this week's pod. Please subscribe to us and give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice. Um, Tom, turns out 38% of our listeners all listen through Apple Podcasts, which I think on Apple Podcasts, it's very easy to be able to leave a review on a podcast. Like literally just tap on us, tap on five stars, and I think we're all golden. Even if you wanted to say a couple of nice words, that'd be fantastic as well, because that's the only way we get picked up by the magic of podcast algorithms that may or may not exist. Love the algo. And also do recommend us to your friends, family, and other 14 fans. So it is goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. And we'll see you next week on the other 14 podcasts.